You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Today's episode brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. Breaking down linebackers today, the 2021 linebacker class. The top-ranked players, some sleepers, and what round your team could possibly find the right style of linebacker for your defense. Some other notes around the league as well. (laughs) A funny quote from Justin Jefferson about his draft fate that he was facing last year around this time, and maybe a bombshell on the health of quarterback prospect Justin Fields, a top 10 guy, maybe a top three quarterback that actually has epilepsy, which is an interesting one. And your guy, Alan Fanica, checking in, who also had epilepsy that I had no idea that he did (laughs) in his Hall of Fame career. So uh, a lot to get into today. We'll talk linebackers, and you can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. Get those Twitter Tuesday questions in for next week. And who knows, if there's good questions, we might dive into them any old day of the week. And, of course, check out the Ultimate Mock Draft that Matt and I are hosting going on right now on its own feed on the network. Just wherever you find podcasts, go find the Ultimate Mock Draft. Day four, some trades uh, might be blooming in that mock, just to tease that a little bit more on day four. Some fun stuff with that, with all kinds of experts and hosts from the network chiming in and our friends at Odyssey as well. Okay. Let's start. That's with been quite one. the ordeal, and it's been pretty awesome. I oh, guess yeah, it's so big every year, and it's amazing to watch it climb Love up it. the charts. It's it's one of the top sports podcasts in the world right now on the the Apple oh, podcast. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it Not is surprising. It is climbing, so that's really cool to see. Um, there's a really funny quote here from Justin Jefferson. Obviously, he had a fantastic rookie season for the Minnesota Vikings last year. Former LSU wide receiver last year at this time, he thought that Philadelphia Eagles were going to be the team that drafted him. It was actually Jalen Rager that ended up going to the Eagles, and Jefferson was asked recently about that and about his draft process, and he said, whew, I'm definitely, definitely, definitely. He tripled down on the definitely <laughs> glad Triple that the Vikings there. drafted him instead of the Philadelphia Eagles. And yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins, but at least he's solid and dependable, and he can distribute the ball to his receivers. How many quarterbacks played for the Eagles last year? Three or four? Right. That's a good point. And Obviously, things worked out very well for Mr. Jefferson in his rookie year. I mean, setting records as a rookie, I I think he's about ready to clearly surpass Thielen, who he didn't do anything wrong, but as the true number one. And if you remember in Minnesota, the first two, maybe three weeks, he was a part-time player. I mean, I think that when they drafted him, they saw him only as a slot, as many of us were saying one year ago. And then they put him outside and he thrived, you know, and he can do both, obviously, much like Diggs, much like Thielen. Um, I agree with him. I mean, he, he it couldn't have went better for him. There wasn't a lot of competition. You know, he stepped in as a, a true starter very, very early, as I mentioned. Do you get the feeling that Philadelphia is more and more dysfunctional? Things aren't going right. I mean, if you just have yeah. to... Rock, paper, scissors? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah. a tie-in. I forgot about that from yesterday. Yeah, the rock, paper, scissors story. I, y- You just have to go by the, the scoreboard, right? What's going on? You have to believe that something dysfunctional is happening there with what we saw at the Super Bowl roster now sort of crumbling, and I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of confidence in what's happening. And you see what the, the fate of a rookie wide receiver in one spot versus another, and you got to feel that way. And then the other report with the Eagles – that I, I forgot about, and it's a good time to mention it now, was that Nick Sirianni also said that they're not handing the job to, to Jalen Hurts. That's a competition, so he might not even be the starter this year, which is interesting. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute, too. I mean, this feels, first of all, I take one step back. I feel a little bad for Jalen Rager. Like, he didn't really do anything wrong yet. You know, I mean, he just didn't right. see the field much. He was injured. Like, he still could be fine, and I really liked him coming out of school. So, that's kind of the overlooked aspect here is that young man really doesn't deserve much blame to say, to say the least. Um, doesn't this feel a little like when Joe judge took over in Philadelphia and that seems like it worked out. Okay. But we kind of rolled our eyes. Like, you know, the way he's making the way he's putting his stamp on the new team, you know, that Sirianni's yeah. he's all about competition, you know, well, who's he competing with? You know, I mean, there's no court. You, you ship the other quarterback out. Right. Yeah. And I get it. Competition. And sometimes things seem when you get in meetings, seem things seem cool on paper. Then when you put it out there in the world, you realize, ah, you know what? That's maybe not the greatest idea. Maybe uh, we we sort of misunderstood the impact of what something like that is. And anything with the quarterback yeah. is always going to be huge. And I feel like the 49ers, in a way, did that with trading up so early and you know having two quarterbacks if they keep Jimmy Garoppolo and a number three pick that's not going to be easy to navigate for the coaching staff for the rookie for Jimmy G himself he has one bad game throws an interception fans are going to go nuts when you have two quarterbacks you have none so I think even if there is a competition like show up on you know the third preseason game and say you know what this other guy won the job so Hertz isn't the starter but everybody's got to know the pecking order going in in my opinion I mean, if he were said it, I, I know we're kind of nitpicking and, you know, he's a first time head coach, but say it's something like this. Like we see Jalen as a long-term starter. We love him, but that doesn't preclude us from maybe uh, drafting one, you know, at least leave that door open right. and make people think you might, even though you're not going to. And uh, side note, I just heard this yesterday. made me chuckle. I hope they draft Jalen Waddle. So Jalen Hurts is throwing to Jalen Rager and Jalen Waddle. <laughs> That would be be extremely confusing. And all the Jalens are spelled differently too, right? Yeah, I don't know any Jalens. If there's three on one team, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Um, (laughs) All right, so good stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's it's not a lot of confidence in what's going on in Philadelphia right now. No. uh, And usually when that happens, it's a top-down situation, right? So It seems like it's ownership-driven, a lot mm -hmm. of this mayhem. Absolutely. Let's talk Justin Fields really quick. A quarterback that I have no idea where he's going to go in the draft. It's it's interesting that teams aren't talking about him, which makes me think that teams really like him because they're not. He's the one that they're not leaking about. Everyone seems to love Trey Lance and love Mac Jones, but nobody seems to be in love with Justin Fields, which is curious for me. But maybe this is part of it because I'm sure teams have known about this for a while. But a report from Ian Rappaport yesterday that Justin Fields has confirmed to NFL teams during the pre-draft process that he is managing epilepsy, a neurological disorder that can cause seizures. Per Rappaport and Tom Pelissero, it has not affected football, and doctors believe he'll outgrow it, as others in his family have. And your guy, Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Fame offensive lineman Alan Fanica said, quote, and quote tweeted that report saying, if I did it, so can Justin Fields, and so can anyone else. It is a part of us, but does not define us, hashtag epilepsy, hashtag Never stop 
dreaming. And so I think that's pretty telling that this is the first time I've learned about this with Alan Fanica, and I don't know if you knew about this with epilepsy and managing this, so maybe it's not a big deal at all. And maybe it isn't. I mean, I'm glad you brought it up. I I don't have much to add to it. I mean, I don't know a ton about the disease. Fields has obviously had it his whole life. He's played football with it his whole life. I do know that it can cause seizures, and I do know that with age, sometimes, you know, you you get over it naturally. So, uh, it sounds like the Fields family has it in their genetics, and they have gotten over it. And uh, I would imagine if Fanica has done it, and you know, I don't know what brings the seizures on. I mean, if it's a contact thing, well, Allen smashed helmets with somebody yeah. you know sixty times a game for mm-hmm. many, many years, and it didn't seem to affect him. Right. Yeah. So I'm obviously not a doctor and I'm sure there are many doctors on the case for teams that are interested in drafting Justin Fields. Maybe this will be another force that pushes him down to a steal area. But Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, also checking in saying Justin's health, toughness, work ethic, never been an issue. And I am incredibly proud of his professionalism and the character he displays on and off the field. The fact that he never missed a game at Ohio State speaks volumes about how he takes care of himself. And so I think there's been a lot of rumors about, you know, there was the report about him being the last one in, the first one out kind of thing. And um, all the evidence I've seen is that he's competitive and tough and all of those things. And I think Ryan Day with now the epilepsy just felt like, you know what, I got to get out here and, and just make a, a statement because there's nothing that's ever kept him from playing football at a high level at Ohio State. So I'm, I'm glad yeah, that yeah. Ryan Day finally checked, chimed in there and maybe he should have done it sooner. Right. That's a good point. I mean, Ohio State's known about it forever. I'm sure scouts have known about it some even a year ago. Um, maybe some team doctors will view it differently than others. Who's to say that's the same as a Caleb Farley injury or whatever? I will say, <laughs> can't harp on that third pick anymore, and I'm sure you talk about it a lot, but there was more and more reports saying Mac Jones is the guy. And if I were in your shoes, I would still be saying – but no one's talking about Fields. Maybe he's the one. Oh, I've heard it from you a couple times. I think you're on a little bit of denial, though, oh, BP. I mean, look, it, the only thing that points to Mac Jones is what people are saying, and the question becomes, are the 49ers leaking the information that is correct? Yeah. Leaking, yeah. Fal- leaking false information? Do people actually know? And do the 40, have the 49ers made their decision? Because they just finished up the report, essentially, after the pro day on Trey Lance. So. Maybe uh, after that, they thought, yep, uh, it was Mac Jones that led it, and he's still the guy, so maybe that's the case. And it's funny to watch the the betting line go on that number three pick because it was Mac Jones at first, then it swung to Justin Fields, then Trey Lance closed the gap, and then now it's back to Mac Jones being the guy who's the favorite. Yeah, so right. I have no idea what to believe. Er, aside from what you hear, everything else points to Justin Fields or Trey Lance and not Mac Jones at all, but the what you hear, if, if you're going by that, it's Mac Jones. So we'll we'll find yeah. out. A week from today. It's a week away from draft day, Matt. The other thing I, I do believe in, and the way that that organization is structured, there may only be one, two, three people in the whole building that do know the answer. And one of them might be Daddy Shanahan. Right. They don't leak information. So that's the thing. That's why I've been no, skeptical right. about this the whole time. And here's the thing. So Mike Shanahan wrote, or uh, uh, Adam Schefter wrote Mike Shanahan's book. So obviously there's a connection there. So if Schefter's saying it, uh, I I could guess that maybe Mike Shanahan's the one that's telling him. But here's the thing. 
is does Mike Shanahan have more allegiance to Adam Schefter, who wrote his book, or his son in Kyle Shanahan, right? And so, and he knows how the game is played, so maybe he's working as a double agent. That's my theory, at least. So, but I have no hold idea. out hope. Hold out hope. And every single person says, "What I'm hearing is, well, are you hearing it? It's a game of telephone, right? Who's actually hearing it, and who are they hearing it from? Because I, uh, if two four- people in the world know, you're not hearing <laughs> it from the right people, right? Yeah, and you're hearing it from someone who heard it from someone who heard it from someone. Who's that person that you heard it from originally, and where's that coming from? So that's the question I have, and. Uh, it's lying season. So I still have my doubts, but we'll definitely find out next Thursday. Soon. All right. Let's talk linebackers, huh? Let's do that. A big reason to repair and maintain your vehicle is to save money. And because chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and always reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Just go head over to RockAuto.com. The website is super easy to use. Find whatever you need for any, and I mean any, make or model of car or truck. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers for 20 years online. They have everything you need, tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, small parts, big parts, aftermarket kits, whatever you need to get your car looking and performing its best. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks and get it delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com little run late in round one on linebackers in our ultimate mock draft matt do you think it's shaping up to be that way in the real thing i think there are some high-end talents some really athletic linebackers at the top and the guy who's been at the top of the list the entire time even you know last year looking ahead at this draft it was micah parsons out of penn state and he's a freak, and he doubled down on his freakiness. You don't want to double count his athleticism because you already knew it was going to be there. But his pro day, 6'3", 246, and a 4'36", 40-yard dash time. Uh, a big old 11-inch hands, too. I mean, the dude can flat out fly, and he can run down ball carriers. But even with his athleticism, a little bit more of a downhill player than a coverage-type linebacker. I mean, he should be able to run with the guys no problem in the league and work on that part of his game. But... I feel like Micah Parsons, with all of that height, weight, speed, does have some bust potential. It's not just the the cleanest, most uh, safe prospect you can draft, which is why I think he won't end up going in the top 10, won't end up being the first defensive player off the board, even though he was mocked that way, and there's some off-field stuff too. So uh, sort of, uh, I, I don't want to draft the traits that would look like top 10 traits because that still worries me, coverage and off-field. I think that was really well said. And a couple things to note, to add to that. I think he might be a first round pick just as an edge pass rusher. You know, like he, I might take him over mm-hmm. Ojalari or Owe or, you know, whomever. So he also has that. One thing I want to stress, though, while we have this linebacker conversation, and it's kind of funny because there's like a misconception that just because guys test well, they're good in coverage at linebacker. Like, yes. yeah, they play well in space and they can run fast, but that doesn't mean they recognize routes or play the ball or understand their zone drops. I mean, like, there's more to coverage than just running around and being fast. And uh, I think he's somewhat of a work in progress in that. I mean, I think the upside is gigantic, 
mostly because he's gigantic. I mean, he's over 6'3", he's 246. <laughs> you know, I mean, he has some size things going for him. But to your point, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, he's the second pick in the draft. You know, LeVar Arrington out of Penn exactly. State. Exactly, you know, there's some work to do. LeVar Arrington's a perfect comp, I think, for Micah Parsons. Yeah. Uh, and, and speaking of size, I'll, I want to jump to Zayvon Collins. I think most people have JOK, Jeremiah owusu Koromo. we'll talk about in a second. But Zayvon Collins is interesting, too, because of his size. 6'5", 260. But dude runs a 4'6", uh, long arms, and he's actually better in coverage than Micah Parsons, even though yeah. he has that size. So his profile is an interior sort of an off-ball linebacker, but his size would tell you maybe he should be more of an outside linebacker, even edge pass rush type player. And maybe he can do all of it, but maybe he has to be in the right scheme as well. Zayvon Collins is a super interesting evaluation for me, and I wouldn't even be shocked if he ends up being the first linebacker selected and goes a lot higher than anybody expects just because he's he's borderline freakish right i mean i can tell my 14 year old if i I put on tulsa versus anyone and i told my 14 year old i'm watching one kid who do you think it is uh probably that giant that's running all (laughs) over the field on the second level that looks like he's playing with little kids you know like he stands out and sort of negative i mean because he looks like demarcus ware or an edge type of player you think he's going to bang with tackles and pass rush off the edge. And he can do that, but it's not really his game. He's much better off the ball. He's not super physical. I mean, he's not bad in that regard, but he does cover well. And I think, you know, the the Kelseys of the world, I mean, some of these tight ends that are his height, he has a unique advantage that most defenders don't. Highly versatile, which is we're going to see in a lot of these guys. Uh, I think he's going to be highly coveted and easy first rounder. I, I think there's three definite first rounders and maybe a fourth at the linebacker position. The other player you're talking about, who's pretty clearly a first round type of player, six, one and a half, 221 pounds, Jeremiah Owusu Kormoa out of the university of Michigan. And uh, just a, uh, uh, sorry, the University of Notre Dame. I, I always yeah, want to yeah, put yeah. him in a, in a Wolverine uniform. It's actually Notre Dame. Different kind of blue there for Jeremiah Usu koromoa But the dude can come off the edge like a pass rusher. He can cover like a safety. Just prototype, new school. This is what the new age linebacker looks like. And 221 pounds in past years would say, oh, this guy's a third-round pick, fourth-round pick, special teamer. He's too small. Maybe we have to move him to safety. This day and age, you almost prefer it. You say, oh, 221, that's perfect. I was worried he's going to be 209, right? So six one and a half, two twenty one. 221, you can put him anywhere on the defense and let him thrive. Love me some J-O-K. What are your thoughts on Awusu Kormo, and, and where does he belong in this draft in the first round? Anywhere, really. I mean, he's not an easy guy to slot when you do mocks, but that doesn't mean 20 teams don't love him and would love to add him to the, in the mix. Outside the top 10, but if he goes anywhere after that, I'd be, I understand. I mean, he's not as tall as, as Simmons from Clemson last year, but they're not that much different. I mean, in fact, I, I saw there was a study uh, talking about the power that this guy generates on contact. He's so explosive and so much kinetic energy, and he causes a ton of fumbles as a result that he has rare, like, Ivan Ivan Drago punching power, you know, when he gets there because he's so explosive. And it, to be honest with you, I don't know if we've had this conversation, but some of these jack of all trade defenders scare me a little bit because you know Miles Jack Simmons. Some of those guys don't just come in and light the world on fire mm-hmm. because no one in the next level 
is a slot corner, a strong safety, a free safety, a will linebacker, and an edge rusher. You know, like you gotta yeah practice one thing in the defense and go to the linebacker room every day. And you know, the the defense isn't gonna play ten guys do their job and JOK, you run around and do anything you want. You know, like <laughs> you it's gotta be point. you have to have a foundation first. I think JOK is more ready to play at just a pure linebacker position than Simmons was last year, which yes. really helps him, even though maybe he's not quite the athlete that Simmons was. Um, another note here is he has 33-inch arms, so he's got some length even though he's not tall. And in fact, uh, Micah Parsons is an inch and a half taller than Awusu Koromoa, but Awusu Koromoa has an inch and a half longer arms than Micah Parsons. So it kind of makes up for right. that length that he maybe doesn't possess. But I think you nailed it. You have to have one position, and then you can do other things off of that position. Yes. And I think yes. the best comp for JOK is Jamal Adams. And I, I don't think that... Um, Owusu Koromoa should play strong safety necessarily, but Adams had a position, no doubt, and then you could do other oh, things. Yeah. Put him out in deep, in the deep um, safety, you know, in the middle of the field if you want. Walk him up to the line of scrimmage. You can blitz him, but he's a safety first. And I think Owusu Koromoa is an outside linebacker. You plug him in at outside linebacker, then you ask him to do other things off of that. Ask him to cover from there. Ask him to blitz from there and, and utilize all of his skills. But trying to to make him do everything at once and play multiple positions, I agree with you. That's not the way to develop a young player. Right. Uh, real quick, back to the Simmons comparison. If you watched him at Clemson, at times he would be a deep middle center field safety. And he did that pretty well. I don't want JOK doing that at all. Right. But if you look at the pro football focus numbers against him playing against slot receivers, true slots, I mean, like the Wes Welker types, he tears them up and that shows up on tape. So I think he can do that, but I think he needs to be near the line of scrimmage. I mean, it could still be a big slot corner mm -hmm. against Evan Ingram, but, you know, he's he's pretty enticing. Which is why I love the Jamal Adams comparison, and I don't really yeah, compare yeah. him to many linebackers. So I, I definitely like JOK. I would not be shocked if any of those— I think he's a better three... coverage player than Adams. Oh, you think so? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know Adams is called a safety, and he's called a linebacker. Right. But Adams is a little overrated in coverage. It's not his number one thing, and I think he no. was better at it in college, and he's been asked to do it less, so he's sort of fallen away from that, become an edge safety in this weird. I mean, just how he's used is is very interesting with Jamal Adams, but um, you know, from the neck up, I think is really important with what Jamal Adams can do, and so we'll see. And that's yeah. the important. The mo that's why there's so many good linebackers that aren't drafted high, and so many linebackers that are drafted high bust because you're drafting traits, and really this position is played from the neck up in a lot of ways. And how natural are you in space? And that's a very difficult thing to do in the NFL so that's the consensus top three there's another guy that's creeping into that first round range I want to talk about next but just real quick Parsons Owusu Kormoa Zayvon Collins what order would you rank them Matt if you're a GM you have you have zero linebackers you have to draft them in what order I think that order but some might be scheme dependent you know it depends what we're after mm -hmm. like for example I think there's a chance my Steelers take a linebacker at 24 and I would take Collins over JOK because he's a lot taller and he lines up next to Bush. You know right. what I mean? Like mm, it yes. just depends what I'm looking for. Yeah. Cause those three an, can do a lot. Yeah. Zayvon Collins, more of an odd front player. Owusu mm -hmm. more of an even front outside linebacker. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. All right. More linebackers coming up, some sleepers and another guy who is got some helium right now in the draft community next. Been talking a lot about props at betonline.ag, but we got win totals up for the 2021 NFL season. Hmm, could those change a little bit post-draft? The Kansas City Chiefs, 12 and a half over under. 
on wins. Their opening total was 11.5 last year. 14 wins in 2020. Is that an easy over for the Kansas City Chiefs who have been to -to back-to-back Super Bowls? What about the champs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They're over under four wins in 2021 is 12. What about your team? The Jacksonville Jaguars, six wins. Be a nice improvement for Jacksonville. And I think they have a quarterback and a head coach, first-timers in the NFL that are not used to losing. BetOnline.ag draft props, over-unders on win totals in 2021, NBA, NHL, Major League, baseball, table games, poker. All you got to do to get involved in the action is head to the website at BetOnline.ag or the mobile app. Use promo code LOCKEDON when signing up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Matt, can you tell me a little bit about Kentucky linebacker Jamin Davis, who all of a sudden every team is in love with? He's got size 6'3.5", 234, 44740 with a dynamite 10-yard split of 1.53. So this guy's lightning out of his stance, uh, you know, long arms. He looks the part, had a nice career at Kentucky, but nobody was talking about him until the last few weeks. Everyone's like, oh, look out for Jamin Davis, by the way. He might be a first-round player. Yeah, he's the fourth one, I think, that could sneak in the fourth first round. I like him a lot. I mean, he doesn't have as much experience as some of these guys, kind of late to the scene and getting on the field, a little bit of a late bloomer as a player. But he is long, lean, you know, like a tapered waist, really long arms, over 6'3". I mean, some of the things I mentioned about with with Zayvon Collins, about ability to match up against tight ends, you know, down the road. A little bit more of a work in progress as a coverage player. Really good tackler with a huge tackling radius. But, boy, he eats up ground. Like, with those long strides, when he closes in on you, he closes quick. Yeah, he's got that V-shaped body. Uh, I yeah. Actually, I like Brugler's comparison in uh, the Beast Draft Guide. Compared him to Zach Cunningham. So, if, if you're Ooh, trying to visualize yeah. what kind of player he could be, I like that comp a lot. Yeah, it's very good. Cunningham's also that 6'3"-ish type guy. Right, yeah, long Looks like a basketball player almost to play in linebacker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the top four. And I think there might be a little gap after that. And there might even be a little gap between the top three and Jamin Davis. But that's those are the guys like I would be shocked if any of the other linebackers sniff the first round. And, and maybe a lot of these guys aren't taken off the board until the third round. The one that's most interesting to me is Baron Browning out of Ohio State. Six two and a half, two forty five, runs a four or five, shows a lot of athleticism, shows a lot of a lot of things, but just not quite the high level of production, the highest level of athleticism to make you say he's a first round player, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's drafted, you know, somewhere around pick seventy five and ends up as good as some of the guys we're talking about at the top that have crazier traits. Yeah, he's interesting. And and Pete Warner's there too. They also have two other linebackers that are late, late picks, you know, so unbelievable what they have at that position this past year. Browning's interesting to me, and I didn't hear this until late, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago, and then when I did, I thought, wow, that might be the fit for him. Some see him maybe as a 3-4 outside linebacker type because he does rush the passer very well, and when I looked at him in that light, I kind of saw Lawrence Timmons, you know, is he inside, is he outside, is he both? Hopefully he's not neither, you know, but he has all the athleticism, the thick body, the downhill ability, uh, an array of pass rush moves, not just a blitzer. 
his agilities were fantastic too. So yeah, may, you know, yeah, maybe that strong side linebacker, so he can kind of cover up tight ends maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not quite your standard middle linebacker. So I like that. Yeah, sort of an outside backer, three four, or maybe strong side in a four three. That makes a lot of sense with Baron Browning. But uh, the athleticism to go on top of some thickness there, I like that quite a bit. Um, there's a few other players. Real quick scouting note for people: just think about the game. I mean, if you've never stepped on a football field. Just think how much different it looks when you're at the line of scrimmage and like a three, four, even a two point stance, as opposed to a couple yards off the ball. And you're seeing things with a much bigger picture. Uh, Browning might not see the game particularly well on the second level. And think about how different it might be if you're playing strong side backer versus weak side backer, where right. all of the blockers are covered up and you're allowed to fly to the ball as a weak side linebacker. Imagine how different that might be if you're the strong side backer and you're like, oh crap, here's a tight end. Oh crap, here comes the fullback too. Like you got to take on blockers and a little bit yeah. different mentality, a little bit uh, different the thickness and size needed there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I'm not saying Derek Brooks had it good. Well, Derek Brooks had it good. You know, like where's Warren Sapp and you know, and and I can just run and hit and few could do it as well, but that's a nice gig if you can get it. All right, what else are we looking at here? Uh, day two linebackers. Any favorites you have? I think we have to men- mention Nick Bolton. He's been on lists forever. You know, like when Last year's draft ended and Todd's way, way, way early to um, mock draft come, came out. He's on it. He, to me, is just like a B or a B-plus across the board, a little small, good football player, probably plays in the league a long time. Uh, Jabril Cox from LSU is a transfer, so he's a little on the old side. That worries me a little bit. But excellent coverage player, modern-day linebacker, three-down guy, uh, I mentioned Warner, the other Ohio State guy. He's interesting to me. Also, a tremendous athlete. Uh, Derek Barnes at Purdue's another guy I wanted to bring up because he is an edge turned linebacker this past year. So he actually has shown that he can do both. Tested really well for Purdue too. There's a lot of names on this list. Uh, I mean, Ernest Jones is getting some buzz from South Carolina. Uh, Dylan Moses has been on list forever, but I don't know what the doctors are going to say about him. Dylan Moses, is it all medical there? Because he was the next first round Alabama linebacker, right? And now I'm seeing him as a... I think he committed to Bama as like a 10-year-old or something crazy. (laughs) (laughs) He's been like the next coming forever. Yeah, I mean, you're not starting as a freshman on Alabama unless you're, you know, a six-star recruit. Right, exactly. And that's what he is. Um, His tape's not great this past year, though, and he's had a lot of injuries, so I don't know if he'll ever be the same. And no 40-time, no, like, what's up with the Alabama guys? Nobody ran at Alabama's pro day. Super strange. (laughs) Right, what'd you guys do? I guess they're all catching passes from the the future number three overall pick, Mac Jones. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But overall, super deep class, a lot of workout warriors in this group. Um, yeah, I think you'll find quality linebackers in the fourth round. Here's a sleeper for you. When I was looking for some late round guys and special teams types, uh, Amen Ogbenmiga from Oklahoma State. He's a smaller guy, you know, six feet tall, maybe just a hair under six one, two hundred and thirty pounds, but runs well, four sixes, and has been a demon on special teams for a long time. So you're looking for a late round mm-hmm. player and you're a sixth, seventh-round draft pick or even an undrafted free agent, you got to make your name on special teams first to stick on a roster, then maybe try to work your way onto the field. And I think he's a run-and-hit type of player with athleticism, fits the current mold of where linebackers are going size-wise, and can play special teams and stick on a roster. So I was actually pleasantly surprised when 
I watched him a little bit. Um, on the other side of things, a little worried about Tuff Borland from Ohio Very State. Worried about he Tuff has Borland. slowly fallen down draft boards, and it's probably because he's only 229 pounds and ran a five flat 40. Yikes. Yeah, and really looked like a bad athlete at the Senior Bowl. You know, I mentioned Ohio State's got linebackers. Uh, he's fourth on the list. I'll put it that way. Uh, one other name, uh, Garrett Wallow, TCU. You wish he was a little bigger. You wish he was a little faster. But he, he, he understands the game very well. He's always in the right place. He makes a ton of plays. Uh, I bet some linebacker coach is going to draft him and be like, oh, I can put him on the field and trust him as, he's, as a stud special teamer to begin with, too. Did you mention Nick Newman from Iowa yet? No, he had a great, great Nick workout, yeah. though, too. 4-4-8, 40-yard dash, blazing 10-yard yeah. split, nice length six, with 6-3, three. Six, three, yeah. 234. So there's your developmental athlete as well uh, from Iowa. A little there's older a lot prospect. Of but... Cameron McGrone from Michigan's another one. Mm-hmm. Has some work to do, but there's some traits there, too. So yeah, not, really not a bad class now that I think about it. It's top-heavy. There's some really good players at really the top good. that are first-round caliber athletes, and then you can find yourself an athlete later on, maybe develop yourself uh, you know, a starter or a nice rotational player in the mid-rounds as well. Yeah, and Chaz Surratt's a quarterback-turned-linebacker that's a run-and-hit type of guy, a little on the old side. Um, Monty Rice from Georgia, I think he's a starter at the next level, so... What do we name? 15 guys? You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've named a ton of guys. Yeah, Chad Surratt's yeah. a good one. I love the guys that have a reason that they're not ready yet, but they have a profile that runs 4-5, right? 230 pounds at 6-2. So uh, mm-hmm. I like those type of, type of prospects where there's a reason they maybe have a ceiling they haven't hit yet. Yeah, exactly. And the problem is he's, he's already 24 years old. So right. maybe if he didn't get there yet, he might not get there. But he makes plays, and he shows up on tape consistently already. Isaiah McDuffie from Boston College. I've not watched him. Is he related to O.J. McDuffie? He's one I don't know. Maybe he is. I mean, I see him pretty high on Dane's list. I've only seen the name, and he tested well. So he's one I don't know. I might have to go back to the drawing board on uh, Mr. McDuffie. All right, I like it. Let's talk secondary next and finish up our rankings tomorrow and into next week right here on the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Matt, I know you have a final mock draft as well. I don't know if yeah, people are, are mocked time. out with our ultimate mock draft right, as well that right, I hope right. everybody is checking in with, which is super fun. Go find the ultimate mock draft 2021 feed, and Matt and I will have some guests here, I think, leading up to draft day that starts next Thursday, and then, of course, have the entire draft broken down post-selection meeting as well. Be back tomorrow right here, Peacock and Williamson.